as you're taking your seat, can you just give him some praise? Can you just love on Jesus a little bit this morning? Well, as you know, the, the theme of our Easter service is called This Changes Everything. And I'm so excited about Easter. How many of you guys are excited? I love Easter. I love it better. I love it better than uh, Christmas. I just think Easter is such a sweet, sweet time. But did you know that on Easter, everybody goes to church? Even if you've never gone to church, they go to church on Easter. But did you also know that if you personally invite 10 friends, eight will show up. So, you know, that's a statistic that, that everybody, they say. <laughs> and I started practicing that this week. And I believe it's true. I started asking people to come face-to-face -face or on a phone call. Not a Facebook post, but do it. Not an Instagram post, but do it. But actually taking time out of my life face-to-face -face or phone call to phone call, asking people if they'll be my guest. And it is working. Um, so next Sunday, I want you to know why we want you to invite. It's not to fill the house like y'all did on Friends and Family Day. I know you can do it. So it's not for that reason. But next Sunday could be a this changes everything moment for your friends and your family. How many of you guys have somebody in your friends or your family that need a relationship with the Lord, that need a touch from Jesus? They need an encouragement. That is what next Sunday is going to be about. But today, as you've already heard, kicks off Holy Week or the Passion Week. It's Palm Sunday. And um, it, this week represents the last week of Jesus's life on earth. So would you pray with me? Father, we come to you today. God, we're just so honored that you've chosen relationship with us and that we said yes to that. God, we want to take all week just to be in reverence and appreciation and, and, and gratitude for what you did. It's us and our sin and our disobedience that put you on the cross. And so, Lord, let us be ever sober-minded and mindful this week of what you did for us. We thank you. We ask that you bless these words today, God, and I, I ask, God, that, that um, you, I'm hidden behind the cross today, that every word that you gave me, I'm going to say, and every word that you give me in the process, I'm going to say yes to that, too, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to preach a message today called Dramatic. Does anybody know anybody that's dramatic? Yeah? Who do you know? Okay. How many of you get, raise your hand if you know somebody that's dramatic. Yeah. Me too. It's me. <laughs> it's me. 
you can't already tell it's me. Um, I love you guys to be passionate and theatrical and dramatic, but I don't like drama. Save your drama for your mama, and actually she doesn't want it either. <laughs> because let me tell you, when there's drama, I want to step in and fix it. If it's my fault, I'm going to fix me. If it's your fault, we're going to work together and fix you. If somebody brings me drama that's going on with somebody else, we're going to handle it the way that the Bible says to handle it, and we're going to sit down and talk about it. We're not going to shove it under a rug and act like it's going to go away because it never does. Dramatic. And you guys, I think drama in our lives is a distraction sent from the enemy to throw us off course for what God wants us to do. So today, I want to teach four lessons that we learned from Jesus' last week on how to stop the drama in our lives. Who's ready? Let's get rid of the drama, right? Um, and when we learn this, these lessons, you guys, this will change everything in our lives. The drama ends, peace returns, you're gonna get your joy back, you're gonna be healed, and you will be aware so that you don't step back into that same scenario the next time around. Listen, we can learn the lesson and not have to be like the Israelites going around the same mountain again and again and again. We can learn it and leave it. So let's go, lesson number one. Don't let drama from others talk you out of what you know is from God. How many of you guys know the voice of the Lord? You know when he speaks to you and you know when he tells you what you need to do. Well, look at Mark 11. This is about the triumphal entry. Verse two says, go into that village over there, he told them. And as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden it. Ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs it and will return it soon. So you guys, Jesus rode in his in his royalty, on a donkey. And then Mark 11.10 says, praise God, blessings on those who come in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the com coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Praise God in heaven. King James, a new King James says, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. People were shouting Hosanna. And glory to God in the highest. They were taking their coats off and throwing them for the donkey to ride Jesus in. They were putting palm leaves out and claiming he was the one sent from God. And treating him like he was a king. Because he was. But did you know that just five days later those same, five, those same people were saying crucify him. Dramatic. How can you know that something was from God on Sunday and by Friday completely change your mind? But we do it all the time. We know we are called to blank. Fill in the blank. We're called.
called to that husband or that wife. We're called to that job. We're called to that friendship or relationship or we're called to that church. But then we get mad. We don't agree. We don't get our own way. We get caught up in the gossip and begin to believe the lies or we forget that no matter who or what that is, they are people, which means they are imperfect. And we forget that. And so then we allow others' opinions to talk us out of what God has said. It's Satan's bait, and it is it steals all of the good things in our life. Dramatic. Would you agree? Dramatic. So lesson two that we learn from Jesus, and I shouldn't have taken an allergy pill. My nose isn't running, but my throat is dry. Cheers. Lesson number two, take risks and waste it all on the one who is important. We're going to be reading in Matthew 26, and I'm going to read the whole story because it's so dramatic. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. As a matter of fact, what it says is that jar of perfume was worth a whole year's worth of wages. When I studied that out, it said about $50,000. Then in verse 8. The disciples were indignant when they saw that she had poured it all out on his feet and said, what a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, replied, why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She has performed. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. And here, some 2,022 years later, we're still talking about what this woman did for Jesus. I believe we don't waste it all on who and what is important because much of our lives we're holding back because we're so concerned about what somebody else is going to think about us. Can you say people pleasers? Well, what if they think that I shouldn't be doing that or they think I should be doing this? So what? We've got to do what God says to do no matter what. Let me tell you. The ways that we hold it back. We do it um, by holding back our time from people that are important. We're so busy, worried about making a living that we're not making a life. We're not doing what God has called us to do. We shove our kids on the back burner. We shove our spouse on the back burner. We shove friendships and relationships. And sometimes we even shove the gathering together. So our time 
gets held back because we're so busy on focusing ahead. We also hold back our money because we're fearful that we might make a mistake. Hello, parable of the talents, that third guy that Pastor Johnny brought up last week. He, he hid it because he was afraid that he might lose it or not make money with it. No, we can't be fearful about making a mistake. Take a risk. Or you know what? Truth of the matter is, some of us are just selfish. It's all about me. It's all about my. It's all about, <laughs> I don't know that song. Um, I know it says something like me, my, mo, mo, whatever. Um, let me tell you what else we hold back. I've sang this song three times in messages and I still don't know it. Um, um, the third thing that we hold back is our love. And we might hold back our love because people aren't like us. And we don't know how to give them the love that they need. Or maybe we're worried about what our Christian friends are going to say because we're hanging out with somebody that might be considered a heathen. I'll tell you, I've been working at my son's spa. And it has given me my life back. It has given me my passion back. It's given me Jesus back because I'm no longer surrounded by just church folk talking about the same things, but I'm actually being an evangelist to people and winning souls to Jesus. And I'll tell you what, that's what I was made for. Can I tell you what else? It's what you were made for. The Great Commission says that we are called to, decide, to win the lost and disciple the lost. We're all called to it. But you know what? We get so comfortable coming to church and becoming a consumer Christian and say, hey, it's about me. It's about me. Feed me. Make me fatter. I don't want Christians to be fatter. On, I, I want you to be fatter on the word of God. That didn't come out right. But feed yourself. Let's get what we need so we can reach those that are far from God. So that we can love Louisville to life. We hold back our success. It's okay to be successful. Jesus wants you to be successful. So can we just bust that lie right now? You're not, God did not make you to be poor, busted, and disgusted. He wants you to be the hands and feet and light to a dark world. And so he wants you to be successful. But we hold it back because we're afraid someone might get jealous that we're getting ahead. Or we hold it back because people have spoken a word curse over it that says, you're just too much. My fellow Enneagram eights, Carolina, <laughs> Miss Tia on the second row. Yeah, people think we're too much sometimes because we're direct. I'm no longer going to shrink myself back for somebody else because God made us this way. Who else is an eight in the room? Okay, good. So you guys understand. So I'm not going to shrink myself back God gave me these gifts. Somebody has to confront some stuff, right? Somebody has to speak some truth. So um, might as well be me. Pastor Rich says, you're not an eight. You're an 88, eight. No, you're an eight to the eight to the 80, 88, eight. 
But you guys, um, most of the reasons we hold ourselves back is because of what others are going to think about us. Jesus took all kinds of risks, and he wasted it all. He wasted it all the way to his brutal death on a cross, and he did it for us. Talk about dramatic. He is still taking a risk on us today. He's saying, man, I just wish they would surrender their life fully to me. Not just this piece because, you know, I can come to church and I can lift my hands and worship, but I want it all. So he's just taking a risk that we're going to get there one day. I believe now more than ever, it's time to start take, taking some risks. And it's time to love people boldly. We have to quit worrying what others think or how they're going to judge us because this changes everything. Lesson number three. This is the one the Lord's been teaching me since quarantine. Respond right when you're done wrong. In his last week, he and the disciples were getting ready to celebrate Passover and have what is called the Last Supper, what today we call communion and the Last Supper, but it's referred to as communion. And we're going to be taking it together as a family today. And I, we're going to be reading in Matthew 26. Let me take a drink. In verse 20, it says, when it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the 12. While they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth. One of you will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, am I the one, Lord? And he replied, one of you who has just eaten from this bowl will betray me. For the Son of Man must die. As the scriptures declared long ago, but how terrible it will be for the one who betrays him. It would be far better for that man if he had never been born. Judas, the one who would betray him, also asked, Rabbi, am I the one? There was our first indication. They had always called him Lord, but Judas called him rabbi. So no longer Lord, but teacher, am I the one? And Jesus told him, you've said it. Dramatic. You see, Jesus had invited everyone to the table. Even the one he knew was going to betray him. Even Peter, who was going to deny him three times. The one, you know, Peter, the one that Jesus told a few chapters earlier, Peter, you're the rock I'm going to build my church on. He knew all of this was going to happen. Can you imagine knowing this is going to happen and it was going to come from one of the people in your inner circle? The one that you had poured your whole life and soul into, that they're going to be the ones to stab you in the back and throw you under the bus. Yet he still let Judas sit at the table. Jesus is still inviting people to the table today. And he knows, 
He knows if you're going to love him. He knows if you're going to walk away. He knows where you're going to hurt his heart. But he still loves you. I'm sure you've seen the meme, I will no longer sit at tables where I'm going to be the topic of discussion when I get up. Right? If you're a woman, you've probably reposted it. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> um, yet, you guys, we still sit at tables where it happens where we're betrayed, where we're gossiped about, or where we get hurt. Dramatic. And it shouldn't be this way. But I love that Jesus showed us how to respond right when we're done wrong. He showed us to respond with love and grace. Jesus was all God, but he was all man. You know how you feel when someone hurts you? He felt it too. Just because he was Jesus, just because everybody put him on a pedestal, he felt it too. But I can promise you that when this happens to you, you can rest assured that God sees it, he knows it, and he hears it, and he, he is going to take care of it. I'm going to prove it to you in his word. In Romans 12, 19, it says, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. You see, the word doesn't return void. But if I go take things in my own hand and I say what I need to say out of anger, guess what happens? I just lost it. But Jesus will get, God will get the revenge for us in a way that is so good for everybody. So respond right when you're done wrong. God is going to fight your battles for you. He's your defender and he's gonna make every wrong thing right. So right now, yes, can we take a 10 second praise break and thank him that he's gonna go fight for us, that he's our defender, yes, that he is gonna do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can think or imagine according to his purposes, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Lesson, yes. Amen. I love it. Lesson number four. Do it even when you don't feel like it. Oh, preach, Jesus. Um, how many of you know Kevin from the thrift store? If you don't know him, get to know him. He's a hoot. Kevin and I get along so well because we're both dramatic. <laughs> so we kind of have some fun together. And if you uh, want to get to know him, we would love for you to come volunteer with us on Tuesdays. We have a great time. Um, but I overheard him telling Brandy this past week. Every time that he would just rather sleep in and not come to church or do something else besides come to church, he gets up and he comes anyway because he knows that message is going to be for him. That's doing it 
when you don't feel like it. And I believe that's a God nudge. The enemy doesn't want you to do it when you don't feel like it, but it's a God nudge to say, hey, I got something for you, baby. I said this to somebody, um, I don't even remember who I said it to before service. I said, the enemy has been fighting me all week, so I know it's gonna be a word we need to hear. I mean, I was like, let me just tell you, this is free. Yesterday, the night before, I kept my grandbaby. And he got to sleep in bed with me. <laughs> and he woke up at 1.31 a.m. And he did not go back to sleep till 7 a.m. And he just sat and touched my face and snuggled. And if it would have been my own kids, I would have been mad. Because I didn't get to go back to sleep till last night. That boy got to sleep. I didn't. But that was the first thing. Then yesterday, I get on my computer to look at what I had added and taken away because I work on this all week. I start on Monday and I just listen to what the Lord says and I put it in and I put it in and then I kind of make some sense out of it on Thursday and then on the rest of Thursday and Friday is when I'm just tweaking. And I go in yesterday afternoon on no sleep and it didn't save my changes. As a matter of fact, I couldn't even find the document anywhere. It wasn't in the notes that I copied and pasted it to. It wasn't in my documents. And I was like, well, praise God, I sent it to the, the, the preaching team. But there was so much that the Holy Spirit had put on my heart to add to on Thursday and Friday. And I was losing my mind. I blacked out. I was like yelling and screaming and like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And Pastor Rich left. <laughs> and my other my son that was there, he just got quiet. They just let me throw my little fit. And I just had to start again. But can I tell you, didn't catch God by surprise. He taught me a lesson in it. He has been fighting me all week because there's a word for somebody in this place today. In the Gospels, we would always see Jesus slipping away to be alone and pray. And he was in the Garden of Gethsemane having a conversation, a serious, deep conversation with his father about his upcoming death. You see, because he was all God and he was all man, he knew it was going to be brutal. That it was going to be agonizing. And that it was going to be greater than anything that he thought he could handle. And listen, in Matthew 26, 39, he says, He went on a little farther and he bowed with his face to the ground, praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done and not mine. You guys, in this moment, we see the humanity of Jesus. We saw that he knew what was about to happen and he did not want to go through it. But 
then an angel appeared to him and strengthened him. And in Luke twenty two forty four, it says he prayed more fervently. He didn't go, you know what? I don't want to do this. I don't feel like it. So I throw my hands up and I quit. No, he pressed in and he prayed more fervently. And he was in such agony of spirit, it says, that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. But he chose to go a little further for us even when he didn't want to do it. And it was because we were the joy set before him. We were much greater than what he was going to have to go through. He did it even though he didn't feel like it. Dramatic. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, 5, he was wounded for our transgressions, our sins. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement for our peace was on him. What should have been your punishment and my punishment for everything that we've ever done and everything that we will ever do. He said, I'm doing it for you. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do it. And he did it so we could be healed and our sins could be nailed to the cross and we could live an eternal life. You can have healing for your broken heart, for your mind. You can have healing in your body. They beat him with a cat of nine tails. They drove wooden stakes in his hands and his feet and they hung him high and they stretched him wide. And he did it even though he didn't feel like it for you and me. You guys, he could have. The Bible says that he could have called 10,000 angels and he could have removed himself from the cross. But instead he said, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they do. Dramatic? Yes. That is why this changes everything. And you may have never fully understood why and what Jesus did for you. And you know, you may be one of these people sitting in here today that says, I've never surrendered my life to him. Or you might be another person that you had surrendered your life for, to him, but you quit living your life for him. See, he can't just be the Lord of some. He has to be the Lord of all. I want you to know, wherever today finds you, it's a new day. It's a new day. You can make a new choice. And the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you're saved. So on the count of three, if you aren't saved and you've not surrendered your life, I want you to slip up your hands. So one, Jesus died for you. No matter what you've ever done or what you're ever going to do, he knows it and he died for you. Two, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Three, I want you to lift your hands all over the place if you want to give your life to the one that gave his for you. Amen. So 
So we're gonna step in to this time of altar. And I know we did some repentance at the beginning of the service, but if the Holy Spirit stepped on your toes in any way, let's kind of make a statement of faith and come out and get somebody to agree with you in prayer. Get somebody to, um, to, to just agree by touching you at the altar today. And then fill out the connect card at the end and let us know where you stand today. If you committed your life to the Lord or if you're recommitting your life so that we can pray this week because we have the opportunity to partner with the heavens and God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit to bring a this changes everything moment to people in our lives this next week.